2: The Canucks have traded for Nikita Zadorov. Our set looks so bare because we just cleaned up. We left the studio. Uh, Harmon left the studio. I was still in the office. We had a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, and as if they were watching the show and waiting for us to finish up, uh, the Vancouver Canucks trade for Nikita Zadorov, acquiring a third, or excuse me, giving up a third and fifth round pick to acquire the six foot six, nearly 250 pound defenseman from the Calgary
0: Flames. It's, cr- it's crazy. I mean, Earlier today, I had my phone go off and it was a notification from the score. And I had this weird spidey sense feeling where I don't like to get caught, caught off guard in inconvenient situations when the Canucks make a trade. And I'm like, I really hope they didn't trade for Zadorov. And it wasn't that. It was some <laughs> other notification. I think it was uh, Corey Perry making a statement. And then sure enough, a few hours later, the actual notif- the, another notification pops in that they've traded for Zodorov. So funny how timing works that way. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, he cost less than I thought. Mm-hmm. A third and a fifth round pick is a reasonable price to pay for the Vancouver Canucks. He's going to be a significant upgrade. I would describe him as a number four slash five type defenseman. He's somebody that can play on your second pair. If you have a loaded blue line, is probably a third pair piece like he was in Calgary. Zdorov's a really interesting player because, as you alluded to, he's massive, he's physical, but he also skates really well for his size. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you'll see him carrying the puck, whether it's in transition or in the offensive zone, and he'll show more pop than you'd expect, right? Because a lot of times when when a defenseman is that big and that physical, people immediately go, oh, he's got to be a big lumbering shutdown guy that can't really move. But this guy has legit offensive touch. Uh, He's also driven positive defensive metrics he is prone to the, to the quote-unquote big mistake mm-hmm. sometimes, so whether it's turnovers or an occasional uh, defensive miscue in terms of his positioning. So that's a reason why in some of his previous stops he hasn't been leaned on as a full-time top-four defenseman. But for this blue line, he's going to be a legit upgrade. And the other angle that I find interesting about this is that when Susie comes back, the Canucks will now, will now have Hughes, Zadorov, Cole, and Susi. So now one of those lefties will presumably move to the right side, which I find interesting because in training camp, the coaching staff seemed reluctant to shift, whether it was Cole or Susie, one of those lefties, to the right side. They seem to have a preference of lefty-righty pairs. And I think this shows to me as as well that at least one component of it has to be that the coaching staff must be comfortable that once Susie returns, that you can shift one of those guys to the right side because Zdorov can also play the right side. He's a left shot, but mm-hmm. he's got experience there. So does Cole. So does Susie. So, so at least you have multiple options in terms of even when Susie returns and you've got all, all four lefties healthy, that it's not just you're leaning on one guy as, okay, this is our one bet to then shift over to the right side and hopefully he can stick. You've got multiple options, uh, which allows you to be flexible, in your combinations and the different experiments you run but in in the interim with how heavy the workload was on hughes heronic cole myers i think this is um i think this is huge a third and a fifth. People in the YouTube live chat are saying,
2: "How did the Canucks pay that little for Nikita Zadorov?" All the things we were hearing from the insiders, and you know everything about the trade being driven up, and the conversations you and I were having on this show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're new. A lot of new people in the show right now. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the video. The conversations you and I had been having, Harmon, were: If you're Calgary, you're not going to make a trade unless it's a sure win for you, right? You're a new GM. Why are you making this trade unless it's a sure win for you? I don't think this is a win for the Calgary Flames.
0: Yeah, I think Devil's advocate would say that you could look at Luke Shen for instance, mm-hmm. who went for a 3rd round pick uh last um last trade deadline and considering Shen was playing in a top 4 role, could that be, you know, a, a fair trade comparable for uh, Zadorov? But certainly when people were citing that, before this trade happened, I thought that was on the lower end. I figured that if you had to pull the trigger on, on this type of trade this far in advance of the deadline, I thought the cost might be somewhere in the neighborhood of a second-round pick, especially because in previous trade deadlines, sometimes for these big defensemen, the price can be really high. I mean, Jeremy Lausanne, for instance, went for, I believe, a second-round pick to, from Seattle to Nashville. So yeah, a third round pick, uh, and a fifth that, uh, that came in a bit below what I anticipated, especially being this far in advance of, uh, the trade deadline,
2: uh, the Canucks blue line. Now a week ago, we were talking about Mark Friedman, Noah Jolson, uh, Akito Hirose, all being in the lineup at the same time, two of those guys being in the lineup at the same time. Right now you're looking at a first pairing of Quinn Hughes, Philip Peronik. uh, for our purposes, Ian Cole, Nikita Zadorov. Zadorov's played four games on the right side for Calgary. Is what I saw on Twitter. No clue if that's true. Um, so I'll pair it on the show. Cole Zadorov is your second pair. You've got Myers, and then you've got one of a guy like Friedman, um, Irwin, Juleson, whoever is going to be there until Carson Susi gets healthy. Not to mention Ethan Bear. Harmon, my question for you: Do the Canucks still sign Ethan
0: Bear even with this acquisition of Nikita Zadorov? It's a really good question. I haven't had a chance to really think about that because the trade just happened and I'm mapping out all all these different possibilities. One thing I will say is when you were sort of mentioning Cole and Zadorov together, I almost wonder if until the Canucks get another lefty back, if coaching staff might just keep Zadorov on the left side. Hmm. Uh, And I think in the short term, what I'm looking forward to is hopefully this taking some of the burden off of Tyler Myers who his minutes were really starting to creep up on I want to uh, pull it up as you pull that up it's worth mentioning that Hughes and
2: Heronics minutes were also going up very very high and you were starting to see a lot of the blemishes with this blue line in the absence of Carson Susie and I know the conversation you and I have had is well Carson Susie was out at the start of the year and That's the thing. The difference between the start of the year and how fresh all of your guys are compared to this point in the season, it's very different. Even though it doesn't seem like it's that long ago, it's different. And that's why you're starting to see some of these blemishes coming through on the Canucks blue line. They needed an upgrade. They went and got it. What were you going to say there?
0: Yeah, so Myers, for instance, last game locked 23 minutes, which is too much considering where he's at in this stage of his career. And we've seen that when Myers is able to play a little bit less, you're able to shelter him a little bit more. You're able to get the calm poised and most effective version of Tyler Myers. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, Ian Cole has been doing a lot of heavy lifting mm-hmm. in the non Hughes and Hironic minutes. I'm looking forward to him having a little bit more support because Cole's also 34. And the one thing you always wonder about with a uh, veteran defenseman is I think about Mark Giordano in Toronto, for example, and of course, Giordano was 39 last year, so five years older than Cole. So that's, of course, a big difference. But Giordano, because of Toronto's injuries, held down a top four role, was playing tougher minutes, was great through the regular season. But then in the playoffs, you saw that he completely ran out of gas because he was leaned on so heavily in um, in the regular season to where in the playoffs, you just couldn't even lean on him in a third pair role. Hmm. He, he was just too fatigued. The workload was catching up to him. So, I think it will really help Cole as, as well, and hopefully uh, being able to manage his minutes and, and his matchups as well.
3: Rick Dollywall is reporting that the Canucks are still interested in Ethan Bear after this trade. So, and then that makes sense too, because you still need, I think, an upgrade on that right side. And now that they've traded for Zadorov here. You Got to look at okay, how can we upgrade without giving up too many more assets? And as we all know, Ethan Bear is an unrestricted free agent defenseman, so uh, the more depth you can have on the back end, that would be a bonus for this team going forward.
2: Excellent addition, Grady. Thank you for chiming in. Sorry, we kind of uh, people in the chat were pointing out that you had your video on and he leaned into the mic and neither of us saw it. Cut me off twice. Uh, Harmon, the question I have for you when it comes to Zadorov and his play style, who's the best partner for him? And alternatively. People in the chat are putting out uh, the Chaos Giraffe and the Chaos Rhino uh, as a pairing. <laughs> Call it the zoo pairing, if you will. Who, who's the best partner for Nikita Zadorov on this Canucks team? And also, is he a primary puck mover or is he better as kind of that secondary guy who's kind of hanging back a bit and playing defense?
0: He's better. Uh, he's better as uh, secondary. He's not really a primary puck mover, even though in transition he can sometimes skate it out. Uh, the zone exits are sometimes when you'll see him make a questionable decision. I'm trying to think who he's gonna fit best with a calm presence. So if anything, I I think Cole would be a great fit. But it just comes down to how quickly do you want Zidorov playing on the right side as opposed to the left side? Because was Zidorov playing more of an aggressive? Uh, high event style he's probably going to work best with somebody who plays more of a low-key uh, steady can clean up the mistakes type of defenseman and the Canucks don't really have that piece right now unless they want to separate uh, Hughes from our Hronic from Hughes which mm-hmm. I don't think you want to do considering how well those guys have played together as a pairing so stylistically the best fit is probably Cole so long as you're comfortable moving Zadorov to the right side, which I don't know how comfortable the coaching staff will be doing that right away. Canucks
2: are facing the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. A lot of people in the chat asking, we don't anticipate that he's going to be in the lineup tonight. That's just not how life works in the National Hockey League. This guy just found out he's traded. He's not going to be in the lineup tonight. He's not going to be per Rick Dollywell. (laughs) There you go, Dollywell. Uh, Beautiful. Thank you, Ricky. Yeah. So he is not going to be in the lineup tonight. Uh, We anticipate he'll be in for the Vancouver Canucks next game. If you want a bit of a game preview, just to plug our show, because we have over 500 listeners right now, live viewers on the YouTube live show. The most we've any had by a very wide margin. Uh, We had a really good episode earlier today. That'll be out on your favorite podcast. Is it out yet, Grady? I'm working on it. I'm working on
3: it. Uh, We should note though, next game is against the Calgary Flames Mm -hmm. in Calgary. Excellent. So, Zdorov probably doesn't have to well he'll travel to Vancouver I'm sure to get acclimated with the team but then uh, that'd be really funny if he did
2: the actual switch dressing rooms he like comes from his house in Calgary and just comes over there uh okay 3.75 million is the cap pick here on his two-year deal he's in the final year of it will be a free agent on July 1st I'm just looking at the Canucks cap friendly page they've got one two three four five six of their current defensemen on the roster now granted that includes uh matt irwin and it includes mark friedman those guys are all going to be ufas at the end of this year do you think the canucks are going to be in a position to re-sign nikita zadorov in free agency and i know it's probably too soon to start speculating that but what's your gut feeling
0: it's going to depend on the fit because zadorov as you alluded to the type of contract that he's going to demand he's going to be paid close to close to the Market value of a legit top-four defenseman. So you have to be confident that he is that, rather than just, for instance, in Calgary, he was more of a third pair defenseman. So you have to figure out: is this a guy that can uh, hang in a second pair role on a good team? And that's something that uh, you'll just have to wait and see how how it fits. It's one of one of those contracts that you're going to have to be sure about before you extend. You want to see how the fit works before um, you pull the trigger, I would think. And, and one of the other things to keep in mind is I like the fit of Zadorov overall. I think he's going to be a significant upgrade. One thing that the team as a whole is going to have to be mindful of is that this Canucks blue line now has a lot of defensemen that take a, a high volume of penalties. So I had pulled, pulled this up a couple of uh, weeks ago, looking at since the 2021 season, which NHL defenseman put their team shorthanded most often? So this is looking at penalty penalty differential. How many penalties do you take compared to how you uh, how many you draw? So Ian Cole has, you know, in that sample, mm-hmm. the worst penalty differential in the NHL. Tyler Myers is, is number two. Nikita Zadorov is sixth worst, and Carson Soucy is ninth. So you've got four of the top. Four of the bottom ten defensemen in terms of their penalty differential since 2020, all in the Canucks' blue line. That means the forwards are going to have to be especially disciplined about not taking those offensive zone penalties that we saw against Seattle, for instance. Mm -hmm. Because this is a blue line that will probably, if history continues to repeat itself, uh, will be in a shorthanded shorthanded positions often. And considering that, I'm still not feeling totally confident in the Canucks' penalty kill. Uh, despite it clearly improving from last season. Uh, you don't want to be testing that too often. So that's something that team wide for the forwards is discipline. That needs to be something that you really have to be mindful of close to 600 live viewers oh,
2: over 600. Now we just crossed 600. As I said that this is crazy folks. Uh, thank you to everybody who's tuning in here. Uh, I want to get to the chat as much as I can, because people have a lot of good points. Uh, Someone asked, and there's a lot of new people joining us, so I should refresh. Someone asked what the Canucks gave up. Let's shift the conversation there, Harmon, because the Canucks gave up a fifth-round pick in the 2024 NHL Entry Draft, the one they acquired from Chicago, and a third-round pick in 2026. My question to you, and this is a question I would ask Chris Faber because he probably knows about the 2026 draft class, or he he would have if he was still on this show. (laughs) The 2026 draft class, it's a third-round pick in 2026 just as a general rule of thumb do you kind of like that they pushed this down the road a little bit and they didn't give up the, a third round pick in a more recent draft
0: absolutely especially because the team's window is over these next few years before you have to always keep in mind it's not just what players you have on your roster but you have to look at what's your window based off the Actual contracts on your books, and so you look. You're look. You're looking at uh, the Canucks' situation right now. You've got Thatcher Demko on a bargain of a five million dollar cap it until the 2025-26 NHL uh, NHL season through it. Uh, you've got after this season three more years of Quinn Hughes under eight million dollars. JT Miller, thirty years old, on an eight million dollar cap hit. These these next two three seasons are probably the most value you're going to get out of him as well. So the Canucks' window is over these next call it 2 to 4 years and as a result I'm not too worried about a 2026 third round pick whereas let's say you do have uh, a 2024 third round pick I mean odds are that player probably won't be ready in time to help you anyway but who knows if you somehow get lucky and, and that Prospect ends up developing ahead of schedule, maybe he can hit towards the tail end of uh of your contention window. Whereas the player that you're drafting in 2026, by the time they actually develop and could be NHL ready, is probably 2029 20, or something like that. At which point the Canucks are presumably in you know a, a totally Different era potentially. We've got people in the chat
2: saying, uh, we've got some we are gold stars flying around <laughs> in the chat. Uh, obviously, that phrase from Nikita Zadorov's agent. Uh, how many clients do they have now? Of Assistant Milstein?
3: GM, yeah, Dan AGM
2: Milstein. Dan Milstein. Help me out here. Kuzmenko, they traded Kalyanuk, which we talked about on our main show today. Somehow, Wyatt Kalyanuk got a mention on our main show. Who else do they have of his clients? Uh, Mikhail Mikhail Kuzmenko, Kuzmenko Zadorov. Not, oh, not Pod Colson, not Pod Colson. Kraftsov was one, right? Yeah, actually, I don't know if that's right. Anyways, doesn't matter. Uh, AGM Dan Milstein, obviously, yes, people are pointing out that it is a Dan Milstein client. Shocker. We are Gold Star. Did you have something you wanted
3: to yeah, add? Yeah, Brady? just another quick tweet here. Um, the one and only Jeff Patterson tweeting out that Zadora played with Tyler Myers in Buffalo, Ian Cole in Colorado, and Pew Suter in Chicago. So there is some familiarity there when we start to kind of Put our defensive combinations together in terms of who he's played with in the past. Um, just imagining a pairing of Zadorov and Myers. Whoo! Couple oh, telephone poles right there. The
2: Redwoods. Think of the last year with Vegas in the Stanley Cup final. How much do we hear about the Redwoods on defense? Right. And Talkett spoke about them a lot, about how they have those big towering blue liners. And hey, I know I'm the Myers guy, and I always say you can't teach size, but it is true. They do, they have gotten. It's just a matter of fact. They've gotten a huge blue liner here. Quite literally, six foot six, close to two hundred and fifty pounds in Nikita Zodorov. And like you said, doesn't play like he's that
0: big and not in a bad way. Yeah, I'm gonna repeat this. He's got legit offensive chops. The way that when you watch him play, sometimes Calgary will have possession in the offensive zone, and Zadorov will activate. He will sometimes carry the puck down the wall. He also scored 14 goals from the blue line last year. 14, which I don't expect him to continue producing at that level. Obviously, he's only got one goal in 21 games so far this season, but still has six points in 21 games. This is a player that can chip in with a little bit of uh, of offense, which considering his physicality, considering his positive defensive metrics are a positive uh, positive sign. One of the the things that he may have to adjust to as he comes to the Canucks is a higher – Difficulty of matchups because in Calgary, that blue line is loaded. It's when you have Rasmus Anderson, Mackenzie Weger, Chris Tanev, Noah Hannafin, you're inevitably going to take on some of the softer matchups. So two years ago, for instance, Zadorov and Gabranson together were arguably the best third pair in the NHL. It's what got Gabranson paid huge box in Columbus. But it was them feasting against sort of lower of the lineup Competition over uh, the last two seasons,
3: do you see that as a template with with him and Myers potentially now kind of settling into that bottom pair? if all things considered if they're healthy and they're not you know affected too much by the injury bug
0: Well Susie's in a similar boat, right? because yeah. he's been a player that has typically crushed third pair of minutes but hasn't necessarily proven himself as a as, as a true talent top four defenseman. I would probably, yeah, I, th- I think it's a toss-up. Like one of those guys is going to, you know, when they're both healthy, one of those guys will end up um, taking on taking on a role a bit higher up in the lineup, and the other will be sort of anchoring a third pair. Which, by the way, if the Canucks can get to the get to the point where you have either a Susie Myers third pair, for instance, or, or Zadora Myers, that would that would be a really good NHL third
3: pair.
2: Getting to the chat here, a uh, lot of Calgary Flames fans in the chat. Our friends over at Flames Nation on the Barn and Burner podcast are live right now. So if you're looking for the Flames perspective of this, go over to the Flames Nation YouTube channel. They are live right now, uh, over there. Uh, some Calgary Flames fans are actually giving some giving some insight into what Nikita Zadorov does. Uh, someone pointed out earlier that he takes a lot of penalties, which you've obviously already pointed out. Uh, so you gotta keep him out of the box is one thing that we're hearing. Uh, from Flames fans in the chat. And there was another one here that I wanted to get to. And there's so many comments. Over 700, uh, 700 viewers right now on the YouTube bananas. We've never had anything close to that high of a number. Uh, So thank you to everybody who's here. A lot of people saying it's their first time. Give it a like, give it a subscribe. Come check out the show live every day, Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. My name is David Guigrelli. That is Harmon Dial. Our technical producer is Grady Sass. But we're not closing out this show because I found the comment. This one from Trevor Story. No, not the, not the shortstop. Trevor Story said, this guy has a cannon of a shot. Yeah, 14 goals last season. 14 goals last season for Nikita Zadorov, And like I said, a lot of people just joining us now. Uh, People in the chat are asking what the trade is to refresh everybody's memory. The Vancouver Canucks have acquired left shot defenseman Nikita Zadorov from the Calgary Flames in exchange for a 2024 fifth round pick and a 2026 third round pick. We said this earlier, folks, but if you're new, note that that pick is for 2026. And if you watch our show tomorrow when we're going to talk about this more... I'm sure a big topic will be something we've discussed a lot recently, Harmon, and that's when you want to be a contender and when you want to be one of these teams that stays in contention for a while, you need guys coming in on ELCs. If there's a chance you can find one of those guys in the third round pick, you look at Hunter Brustevich and what he's doing with the Kitchener Rangers right now, looking like he should have been a you know a first round talent potentially, you need all those bullets in your chamber. The Canucks kicking this down to 2026, Lines up with their contention window, as you've mentioned, and it's part of a bigger conversation that you and I have had many times. Okay, um, anything else that you guys want to get to before we close out this emergency, uh,
3: edition of Canucks conversation? I, I just wanted to quickly note: I know there's a lot, a lot of new people here watching. Thank you, first off, for joining. But if uh, the YouTube Live isn't your thing, it's also available on podcast daily. So just you know, find us at uh, Canucks Conversation on your favorite podcast caster app
2: yes beautiful yeah uh universally loved this trade it looks like uh, except for the flames fan that's in our chat uh go check out flames nation man they're giving you the calgary perspective but it seems like every canucks fan is very very happy with this trade uh This will be part of the podcast. So if you're listening on the podcast, be sure to listen to our whole show today. And if you're on the YouTube live chat, you can go watch the replay of today's show on our YouTube channel. Or like Grady said, you can go find it on your favorite podcast catcher app. It is called Canucks Conversation. On today's show, we broke down Patrick Alvine's win-loss record as Vancouver Canucks general manager when it comes to the trades he's made. I had him at 13-1-1. Harmon and Grady were a little bit more critical, but I think it's safe to say this is another win in that column
0: yeah we'll see how how the fit turns out but again the acquisition cost came in considerably lower than what I thought it could have been especially the Canucks keeping a, a pros, not even a prospect a full-time NHL player now like Niels Hoaglander uh, I'm glad that he's still on this roster because for a while there I was worried that Calgary in this sort of retool mode would be attracted to the idea of Hoaglander as a cheap plug and play option that not only has upside, but can also contribute at an, at an an NHL level today.
2: Some people are pointing this out in the YouTube live chat because there's flames fans saying, guys, he's a third pairing defenseman. You should go look at who's been on the Canucks third pair for the past couple of weeks. As some Canucks fans are rightfully pointing out to the flames fans in our chat. Uh, Thank you to the over 700 of you who joined us for this emergency edition. Remember, subscribe, like. We're live at 2 p.m. every day right here on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And you can go find us on your favorite podcatcher app at Canucks Conversation all over social media as well. Read CanucksArmy.com, all that sort of stuff. Uh, But we will close it out there. This has been a lot of fun. We were just finished our episode. You were, did you get in your car?
0: Were you in your car? Yeah, I was driving out of the parking garage and then had to... (laughs) do a u-turn bunch of people were looking at me like it's crazy i'm like you guys don't understand the crux just traded for nikita zadora i wish we had like a live webcam in here before the show actually hit to see quad
3: scrambling myself scrambling, Harmon running back from the parkade to get in so yeah again just shout out to everyone that uh took the time to join us here
0: these trades catch me at the worst time yeah one of them the heronic one i was in the middle of of start actually i was just about to start a workout i was literally at the gym and had to sprint home because i didn't drive to the gym jt miller extension on labor day they're always there were fridays for a while there like the brock besser one on canada day The brock besser one on canada day the miller extension i was literally in the middle of like i can vividly remember the bicep curl as i I got the (laughs) notification i'm like damn it i have to run home it
3: to the evil negative media that's what they're doing
0: oh
2: okay well like i said thank you to everybody who joined us for this episode. We are going to sign off. We've done an entire podcast. There's a game tonight. We got to get home. We still have duties to do before the game actually starts. So we'll sign off for there. We'll be back right tomorrow. If you, if you want more of this, come back tomorrow, 2 p.m. on Friday. We will be live. We'll be breaking down tonight's game between the Vancouver Canucks and the Vegas Golden Knights. And, of course, we will break down this trade further. Before now, we are signing off. For my co-host, Harmon Dial, and our technical producer, Grady Sass, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Canucks Conversation.
1: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan. Turning a side hustle into a full hustle or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.
0: Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Crown Royal. Generosity lives in the small things, it doesn't need money or an audience or even acknowledgement, it just needs a few good people, Crown Royal, Crown everything. My name's Harmon Dahl. With me, David Quadrelli, Grady Sass, the man at the controls, technical producer at the iconic Sheraton Wall Center. Did I nail that or what?
2: Was there any doubt? Was there ever any doubt that you would absolutely crush
0: that? You did phenomenal. You did a great job. You know what? My first podcast when I was 18 or 19 years old, it used to be the called Game, game Theory. theory. <laughs> yes. That probably prepped me for this moment because I remember I had to record a mid-roll ad. Oh. And I think I spent an hour and at least eight or nine <laughs> takes trying to nail it down. So all that practice was to prepare me for this moment. It paid off. It paid
2: off because, like I said, you absolutely crushed that right off the top. I'm, I'm very proud of you. I, I and Hey, I threw the idea to you like five minutes before the show. I just said, hey, do you want to do an ad read? Do you want to do the... Intro because I do all the ad reads on the show, but you know, that's an easier one for Crown Royal. Our friends over at Crown Royal, you crushed it. You did awesome. I think you your hosting
3: job. gig is in jeopardy there. I know I was just
2: gonna say I'm like, <laughs> this is like art watching artificial intelligence <laughs> taking taking your job. This is like me watching superior intelligence take my job. No, no, anyways. Uh <laughs> moving right past that. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are in town to take on the Vancouver Canucks Knight. Tell your boy. Uh, Thomas Drance that it's for first in the Pacific. He should know that because I don't think he does.
0: Yeah, that's the hill he's uh, he's dying on. I mean, he's right in the sense that by points percentage, it's not really a battle for first in the Pacific because the Canucks have played uh, extra games. But that's not the hill I would die on.
2: Yeah, like I shut it. up, nerd. You know what I mean? Like that's what I okay, can not say. <laughs> don't say that about my boy. <laughs> that's what people in the chat say about us. But come on, I, I okay. He is correct. This is what I, this is what I'll say about it. He is correct that it is points percentage, but he's flat out incorrect that it's not for first in the Pacific. Whoever wins this game will be at first place in the Pacific when you look at the NHL standings. If you go sort it by points percentage, which sure, that's probably the best way to evaluate where everything's at right now. LA's still got to win those games. LA's still got to go out and win those games to get to first in the Pacific. And the Canucks, if they're there, that means they've won those games. That's all I'll say.
0: Either way, it's going to be a really fun matchup. I feel like for a long time... With this start, Canucks fans have been looking at it as this is a great start, but we'd love to see our team tested against the best competition in the NHL. Uh, Colorado was sort of seen as a measuring stick game. Vegas will be seen as one as well. Golden Knights as well. This is a good time to be catching them. They've been uh, losing quite a few games over the last eight games or so. So you're not catching them at a point where they're firing in all scil- cylinders, they've been scuffling. Actually, probably the record in recent times has been a little bit worse than the Canucks, who haven't uh, been on the best footing either. So, ideal time to catch them. One thing I will say is, regardless of the outcome, whether the Canucks l- win or whether they lose, the takes are going to be hilarious to see. Oh, how yeah. Canucks win. oh, yeah. The overreaction, I'm so, f- I'm really looking forward to seeing because either way it's going to be an overreaction if they lose it's going to feel like the end of the world based off the reactions you're going to see on canucks twitter and if they win people are going to be planning the parade
2: oh for sure undoubtedly And i liked rick Talkett's answer about this after the morning skate about how yes this game can be a measuring stick but also it doesn't really matter if they win five nothing or lose five nothing it's all about kind of what happens in the long term with this team and yes this game will be a measuring stick but also The Canucks are right there as well. They need to show that they can play against a team like this, but at the same time, don't let it affect your takes too, too much.
0: Yeah. Look, have fun. It's a big stakes game. It's enter. It's entertaining. Uh, Absolutely. Tonight you're going to ride the, the the highs and lows and you're going to really badly want them to be Vegas embrace those emotions, but don't let it cloud your big picture view of what this team is or Uh, isn't because in today's nhl any team can beat any team on a given night i mean we just saw vancouver lose to san jose vegas has lost to some subpar opponents as well recently so
1: it's
2: just funny because when there's games like those san jose ones everyone says well every team has nights like that good teams still lose to teams like that once in a while it happens but when you beat vegas or you lose to vegas then it's the end all, be all. Like that, that yeah. game, that's the one that matters. Although I will say, oh, some people have pointed out as well that you know when it comes to beating the premier opponents, the Canucks haven't had to do it so much just yet in the season. They haven't had to beat those top teams. They've lost to uh, Colorado, Toronto, those top teams. They hey, they beat Dallas let's, and, let's New like and New York and New York. Actually, no, they, they lost to New York. York. My yeah. bad, but, but that was a really right good there. performance. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. what I meant.
0: Like in my head, see, this is why. Yeah. So totally. often I'm like process over results. And the way I looked at that game was they outplayed played the Rangers. Yep. To, to me, they deserve to win, especially given the it power was the plays second played leg.
3: a huge role in that game. Kuzmenko
0: well, robbed or Sir Sturkin, robbing Kuzmenko in yep. the overtime. Ago. The Pedersen right. tripping call that got missed. Plus it was a Canucks I think it was a second leg of back to back because they'd played St. Louis the night before. Uh, Either way, I just remembered that is that's a really good showing against the top team, even though they didn't get the extra point.
2: Yeah, and even the Toronto game, similar, right? Like we like the process in that Toronto game. So just something I'm pointing out that, yeah, they haven't had the results yet against those top teams. So I'm sure some fans out there would love to see them actually get a result against the top team. Get your anyone else's in early today, folks. We're going to be joined at 2.15 by Abbotsford Canucks forward Aiden McDonough, friend of the show. He's been on the show quite a few times. Uh, he will be joining us at 2.15. We're going to get into a lot. Uh, everybody on Abbotsford's growing a cookie duster. So I'm, I'm curious to see what his looks like because he was notably left out of the promotional tweet that the Abbotsford Canucks posted. He, uh, I don't know if he grew a mustache for November, uh Mo-vember, I should say. We will see when he joins us in a matter of moments but first we want to get to anyone else very early in the show because as anticipated and we've talked about on recent shows we're going to be getting to patrick Alvine's trade record uh we've all done it we the three of us and we haven't shared each other's answers we're going to look at uh the wins losses uh when it comes to trading for patrick Alvine and the vancouver canucks since him and jim rutherford have been at the helm but before that It's time for anyone else presented by DoorDash. It's our listener's chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. It's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code nation 25. That's all capital letters nation. The numbers to five offer valid in Canada. Subject to change. Terms do apply. Anyone else from Sam Ross? How's Bert? Bert is doing fantastic. He's got a little pajama shirt that he likes to wear now. It's he, he's doing great. He's growing up, grown up right before my eyes. He's gonna be eleven months uh, in six days. So
0: yeah, but, he's grown up. By the way, I just have to say, since I did an ad read, now I'm paying more attention to how you've done yours. You sounded like Eminem when he's going psycho mode, just rapping. Thank you. Just I, I was mm-hmm. like, you know, in those commercials when they're like. Promoting some health pill or product, and then oh in yeah, the final fifteen <laughs> seconds—it's just rattling off the all the horrible things that <laughs> could happen, the potential side effects. Uh, it was like that, and I was like, "That's pretty clean, pretty impressive."
2: Yeah, this product may cause internal bleeding, and then they just yeah. go off. It, you know, I've always wondered, and I, I feel like there must be a law. I don't know, maybe there's not a law against it, but I always wondered if they speed those up in like post-production, or if those people are actually speaking that fast on the advertisement because I wonder like I wonder if I could Do you know what I mean I wonder what my top speed is let's find out anyone else interested in what my top speed is because I am here we go
1: <clears throat> let's do this one
2: it's time for anyone else presented by DoorDash so there's a chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat and it's also our a chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees in their first order of $15 or more that's right for a limited time our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees in their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code Nation25 Offer value of and Cash Search Change Term Supply
0: Holy crap. That was actually like when Eminem raps and you're like, you can barely tell what he's saying, but you know that he's actually nailing it. Thank you. I didn't know you had that type of range. I didn't either. I just kind of went with it. Wow. I, I was feeling good about my <laughs> intro and addery off the top. I now got my I'm job like, back. I got, I got my job, job. back. <laughs> okay.
2: Now we got some actual, actual anyone else's in here. This one from Jesse C. Vegas style of play versus Colorado. Which matchup is better for the Vancouver Canucks?
0: Hmm, that's a really good question. I would say I don't think there's one that stands out in terms of being more favorable. I would say Vegas and how stingy they are defensively is not good for the Canucks because they, the Canucks, especially five-on-five, five, tend to uh, struggle, especially recently. I think generating those great A quality chances. And Vegas, especially when they have their healthy blue line, which they don't quite have. Big Shea Theodore, for example, is, is injured. They clog the middle so well. They have a lot of size in their blue line. And we even saw in the playoffs how difficult it was for teams to get into the slot. So that's a concern I have uh, against Vegas, which, I mean, Colorado defends pretty well too, but I don't think they stuff the middle quite as well as Vegas does. But the advantage Colorado has is they have game-breaking speed that I don't think uh, Vegas has. The way... McKinnon and Rantanen can take a game over I just don't see that especially when Colorado's man advantage takes the ice and you have McCarr as well Mm -hmm. they have they have game breakers that Vegas doesn't so yeah that would be my take Colorado has more potent offensive game breakers but Vegas defends a slot a lot better so it's kind of like pick your poison I don't think one stands out to me in terms of being a lot more favorable for the Canucks
2: Yeah, I'd be interested which team creates better off the rush and then look at how the Canucks kind of defend against all of those offensive tactics. But I think you summed it up pretty well right there. This one from Corey Anderson. If Kuzmenko continues to struggle under Tockett, does this management group trade him to free up space and go after a familiar face in the offseason in Gensel? This is something that Dolly Wall started to talk about on Donnie and Dolly over at Czech TV. Uh, The idea that if this relationship between Rick Tockett and Andre Kuzmenko doesn't improve... We've already seen Dan Milstein, you know, tweet out that Zinkita Zdorov needs to get out of Calgary because he's not happy with his ice time. Kuzmenko seems like he's happy in Vancouver, and it doesn't seem like at any point in this saga yet that there's been a chapter where Kuzmenko comes out and says... I don't know why I'm sitting like, I don't know why I'm sitting. I don't understand. I don't like this type thing. Like I'm sure he doesn't like it. And I think talk has even said that, yeah, he, he doesn't like being sat out, but it's not like he's coming in. And we had this conversation in the office the other day about like, it's not like Kuzmenko is like, what are you talking about? Like I'm playing so well defensively. Like I'm excelling at that area of the game. I think you're wrong. That's not what's happening here. Kuzmenko seems to have a pretty good handle on why talk. is isn't playing him. I just wonder how long it can go on. I wonder if the Canucks put him on PP2 or PP1 tonight if Kuzmenko gets back there. Do you think he's going to be back uh, in place of Philip Hronik?
0: That's a good question. It, the thing is, watching PP1 the other night, I don't think you could point to, well, if you had Kuzmenko on that unit instead of Hronik, that it would have performed that much better. I just felt like the unit can get set up. I would, mm-hmm. I probably would have felt okay. Maybe you want to replace Heronic with Kuzmenko if the unit looks stagnant once set up, or if Heronic is spamming too many low percentage shots th- through traffic. But I didn't think Heronik was part of the first unit looking average against Anaheim. Uh, but we'll see because. Su- because you, you also want to give Kuzmenko an opportunity to get going and perhaps the power play can can be that. If it, if it was me, I would still have Hronik on PB1 to start the game against Vegas. And then if you have, let's say, a power play or two where, where the first unit really struggles and you're thinking, okay, they could maybe use a spark, then you make the in-game adjustment. Mm. But I'm not sure if I'd change it up this quickly before the game.
2: Anyone else interested to see how Nils Huglander continues to progress under Rick Tockett? I don't have the clip handy, but at Morning Skate today, Tockett spoke about how he's starting to notice that Nils Huglander, when he gets into the zone, he starts to make the same mistakes that he's made that have held him out of the lineup have you know made him a healthy scratch have made him play lower in the lineup he starts to make those mistakes and then it starts to click like Talk it is seeing it start to click and now he's saying the next step for him is for it to become habitual that he just starts to do the right plays every time without having to start the wrong way correct himself and then still make the right play but you know get back into the right area of the ice. I'm talking about the defensive zone. I should say uh, that was what talk was speaking about this morning. I found that really interesting because it came from our pal, Chris Faber, who asked the question uh, about Huglander's pr- progression. And that was the next step that talk said he needs to take is I noticed it last game, he said that he's made that adjustment. He's starting to see where he's making the mistakes and you just hope with a guy who's, producing offensively the way Huglander is, the way we know he can, that he does start to take that step because that's what's going to allow him to be a middle six winger, maybe even a top six winger on this team long term.
0: Yeah, and I think there's already been a significant improvement in that area. I mean, you still see the occasional turnover here or there, but the defensive and puck management lapses aren't nearly as egregious as they were last season. And when you combine it with how aggressive and direct he's been taking the puck to the net, the speed that he's playing with the confidence. He's looking to make plays on the middle towards the middle of the ice. He's, he's not settling on the perimeter, which I really admire about a player that isn't the biggest guy. It's a sustainable way of creating offense as opposed to you're looking to make high skill plays from the perimeter. You need to execute these difficult East West passes to be effective. No, his game is direct. It's fast. uh, It's tenacious. And When he doesn't have the puck, he is finding ways to get open in the inner slot or around the net to try and find tips and deflections, which I've been impressed with his hand-eye coordination uh, as well. So I've been stoked to see his progress, and I hope that he can continue to sort of earn his trust and be somebody that isn't just a bottom six fixture, but when you're looking to give the top six, six a spark, like when Anthony Beauvillier, for instance, before he got traded, got a shot up the lineup that Hoaglander can be that guy.
2: Okay. Uh, Grady hasn't anyone else for us before we get to Aiden McDonough here. Um, it's specific with the Vegas Vancouver matchup that we're going to see tonight in the goal crease. Cause that's fitting for Grady. So Grady, what did you have for us here?
3: It's Kevin Woodley's uh, analytics from ClearSight looking at the top goal saved above expected numbers. And the first and second guys leading those statistics are Thatcher Demko and Aiden Hill, which will all but likely be the starting goaltending matchup tonight. So, not saying to bet the under, but we could see a battle of two great goaltenders going toe to toe, and perhaps down the line in 2025 at the next international, um, you know, World Cup of hockey or whatever they want to brand it. Does Aiden Hill perhaps get into Team Canada's crease? We all know that there's a lack of talent in the goaltending uh, depths in Canada here. And Thatcher Demko is going to be right there with you know Jake Ottinger, uh, Kyle Hellbuck, yep. John Gibson. So yeah, interesting tweet pointed out by uh, Woodley here. 15.11 goals saved above expected.
2: Yeah, Thatcher Demko has been dynamite. Uh, on top of Aiden Hill, Go look at his trade history. It's really interesting. Like you look at what he was traded for. And you have to think all those teams are just like, damn it. Damn it. This guy, we traded this guy for what? What did we give up for this guy? Uh, anyways, uh, let's bring him in. Aiden McDonough uh, from the Abbotsford Canucks, who joins us now. We have Aiden. Oh, we'll get him in a sec. There he is. Aiden, you got the cookie duster going. Who's got the best mustache on the team?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, mine's probably the darkest, probably the thickest. I don't know. We got a lot of good guys. Uh, well, Anand's got a good one. John Stevens has a nice thick one. Uh, Chase Waters can get the uh, handlebars going. So we got some good mustaches.
2: I did I see correctly that you were held out of the. Promotional tweet for November from the Abbotsford Canucks. Like, did they not put you in there? Because I was, I was, I was saying at the top of the show, I was curious if you even grew a mustache for November because they chose not to put you in
1: it. Yeah, I was held out. Um, I missed, I missed the the photo op, but I actually they threw me in a story after the fact, so Good. I didn't get in there. But I it was kind of like a, a pity <laughs> invite, but I got in there.
0: Uh, Aiden, I wanted to ask you. It's obviously been in you know, the last several months a whirlwind for you, signing with the Canucks, uh, getting your cameo with the team down the stretch going back to last season, when you had your six games with the big club, what was your welcome to the NHL moment where you're on the ice or or maybe even off the ice and you're thinking, wow, I can't believe I'm in the
1: NHL. Um, I mean, I think off the ice would probably be, uh, I first landed in Arizona and I, met some of the guys at like a optional workout in the hotel. And then a few of them asked me to go to dinner. Um, So I went to dinner with like five or six of the older guys. um, And that was pretty surreal. Just kind of hopping off the plane and and getting dinner with some of those guys. Really nice of them to, you know, to, you know, treat me like that and, you know, be welcoming and, um, you know, ask me a bunch of questions at dinner and get to know them. So that was, that was pretty special. That was probably like, a oh, wow. Like this is, you know, it was obviously a really nice restaurant somewhere that I normally probably wouldn't be eating um, in college. Um, and then on the ice, probably playing, uh, Calgary at home, just the big team, um, physical, like some big guys, the door off Tanev, like some big guys that, um, I was kind of like, okay, this is definitely a step up from, from what I'm used to.
2: Aiden from the playing like Friday, Saturday, generally in the NCAA, what's the adjustment been like to the everyday grind in professional hockey?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. It's definitely a lot different. I think um, you kind of have to be a bit more methodical on how you go about things. I think in college, you can get uh, away with, you know, maybe, you know, Monday, Tuesday, you're kind of, you know, you're going, you're, you're, actually, you're, you're pushing yourself every day. I think I learned that as I got older and kind of had my routine down, but, and then, okay, maybe Wednesday and Thursday, you kind of dial it in and, and tighten it up and get, get thinking about that game Friday, but here, um, you know, we had a really busy October, I think 11 games in, you know, October 12, maybe. So it was, you kind of have to be on top of it every single day. Um, and you have to prepare your body a lot better. Um, you have to be sharp every day because, um, you know, especially myself, I'm, I'm, I'm new, I'm improving myself every day and I can't afford to have, you know, a day where, you know, I don't have my foot on the gas pedal and I'm kind of just going through the motion. So I think it's more about just being a pro every single day and learning how to, take care of your body because i think and when you do have time to make sure you're doing the right things away from the rink uh, because you have to make sure you take care of that time away from the rink and when you you know don't play as much make sure you're you're feeling fresh because you could go through a stretch of a few weeks where you're playing you know six seven games
0: we know you have a great release on your shot we know you have great offensive instincts in terms of getting open in and around the slot but adjusting to the professional game we know everybody talks about how much faster it is uh, how much bigger your opponents are is there one or two areas in specific that you're looking at your own game uh, and of course the steep adjustment from ncaa to pro and looking at it and, and going this is sort of what i need to hone in on to to reach the next level whether it's uh, something as specific as wall work or your acceleration or um how quickly you make decisions with decisions with the pocket i'm curious what you would um identify from your own game in terms of how you're going to take take the next step
1: yeah i think there's um there's a lot i think like i think you come into early for me i came into professional hockey thinking that you know you know a lot about the game and you know you can you had success at the at the earlier level so when you get here you're just going to be able to kind of do the same things that you've been doing and it's it's largely different i think um you know there's a lot of things like you know, the wall work, the D zone structure, um, being hard on battles, um, being better below the dots in the offensive zone, uh, making sure pucks get behind their defense and get in. I think um, there's pros and cons to, to staying for four years and developing. And I think, I think I, I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it, but I think I could have developed some, you know, I, I had some leash with my coach in terms of if I turn a puck over you know, if I kind of don't back check as hard or, you know, maybe don't sprint out of the zone, then, you know, I'm probably still going to go over the boards that next shift. uh, And, you know, nothing's really going to happen because, you know, I could produce offensively, but here it's a lot harder to produce offense five on five. And you have to do those little things day in and day out to afford yourself those opportunities offensively. I think the biggest thing that, you know, I I came in uh, to pro as a, as a goal scorer, and I still want to score as many goals as I can, but I think it it came a lot easier in terms of wouldn't have to move my feet as much. And, you get more chances to score like, right. Like I'm, um, I have a good shot and I could, I could score from the top of the circles, but here it's a lot harder to score from the top of the circles. A lot of good goalies, uh, a lot of good defensive teams, teams, you know, there's not many breakdowns. Um, there's not many opportunities where the team, the other player is going to make a mistake and you're gonna be able to walk right in and rip one. And if you do the goalie's probably gonna make a save. So you have to, you know, create offense the hard way. You're gonna have to go to the net strong, put your stick on the ice, you know, get it off the cycle, drive it to the net, um, beat your check, so there's a lot of things I think that um, I've had to, you know, adjust to, but I think it's it's helping me. Like I, I think I'm almost relearning like how to play the game at a professional level, and I think that's going to help me, you know, for success moving forward.
2: How much How much easier is it to relearn the game when the guys you're learning for are some Hall of Famers in the City and Twins and the other staff out there in Abbotsford? What's that process been like for you working with them?
1: It's been amazing, honestly. It's been like. Super helpful. I think um, I think last year in the spring, the the coaching staff in Vancouver did an unbelievable job of kind of giving me a quick crash course. But it's hard to to do so much, you know, when I'm only there for a certain amount of time. Um, but I think now I've really been able to, you know, do a lot more video with the coaching staff in Abbotsford, talk to the Sadines a lot more, do a lot of extra work after practice, um, and they've been amazing to learn from. They've all been super helpful um, and, and been kind of communicating to me about things that, you know, I can do better and, and things that I've done well. Um, but it's kind of like a collective unit here. I think everyone in Habitsford is rooting for each other. Like we, we first off, obviously want to, uh, for the Canucks to have success, we want I know our team to have success. And we want the guys on our team that go up there to have success. And I think it's it's kind of been a, you know, by committee. I think everyone's been, been trying to pull on the same rope in terms of developing. And um, the coaching staff's great because they know, you know, it's not like, I need to be at a certain level by this time, you know, or their job is, you know, not sufficient. Or if I don't get to this pace or or this points or whatever, it's none of that. It's every day we're going to come in, we're going to work hard. Um, We have a great group of guys and we're going to get better and ship away. And, uh, you know, everybody's path's a little bit different.
0: We wanted to throw a few uh, fun ones uh, at you before we let you go. Uh, For starters, if you had to pick one teammate in Abbotsford that you sort of look at and that you're most confident will develop into a future NHL player, uh, who would it be?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one because there's a lot. Um...
2: You said it was going to be fun. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, you can pick um, more than one. But... Yeah,
1: pick a couple. <laughs> pick a couple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's uh, there is a lot of players. I think, like, um, on the defensive side, I think uh, Akito and, and McWard are... are both in my shoes where they're both first year and they've handled it really well. Um, McWord skates so well backwards. I've never seen a guy skate as well backwards with the puck on a stick. Um, and Akito's is so smart. I mean, offensively, there's a lot of guys too. I mean, we have a really good and deep team. Like, there's a lot of guys that I can learn from, but i probably have to go with um, Oh, he that's, a, does good it. that's he a good pick.
3: That's a good pick. He does
1: it. Like, he obviously came in as a skill player and uh, putting up points and he has that part of his game, but I think it's really underrated of how hard he plays. Um, he's really good at a lot of little details, like making sure every time he gets the puck, it's getting North, it's getting behind their defense. Me, rarely turn pucks over. Um, he's great on the four check. He's, he's great in really all areas. He kills penalties. Like that's what really impressed me. Cause I skate played with them at the development camp and I just remember his skill um, and his passing ability but now kind of seeing him, it's like almost a bit of a different player because he can kind of do it all. Um, and he has all those aspects. Like he could go in, you know, I think up to Vancouver and play in any situation and he could do just, you know, do a sufficient job for sure.
2: That's a great answer to what was supposed to be a fun question. <laughs> put you on the spot a little bit there. This one, this one will be no a little bit easier. You've been rooming with Josh Bloom. Who's the messy one? Who's doing the cooking? What's that situation like for you?
1: Um, well, I live with, Josh Bloom, Mark Gatcombe, and Max Sasson. So there's oh, wow. four of us. Yeah. Um, we got the nickname, The Frat House, because Rathbone <laughs> lived with us before, and it was four college guys. Oh, uh, man. So we got the nickname, The Frat House. So, uh, <laughs> But then Bloomer took Bonesy's spot. So uh, I would say Sasson is the messiest for sure. Um, Bloom and Gatcombe probably take the majority of the cooking duties. Mm. uh i can't re- i can't cook very much but I-, I make salads and i play the music while we cook um, <laughs> and then gacko's probably the cleanest he likes to to make sure everything's clean right away after we cook and he's clean around the room and around the house as well
0: that's awesome if you had to pick one skill that you could steal from any canucks player from the nhl roster what would it be and i'm gonna add a twist that you can't pick uses skating <laughs> because that's too obvious okay.
1: Um that's a good one. Maybe probably like someone like Hoglander or like Lafferty skating, because those guys can they can fly hoggies really quick. Yeah. Um and really agile and Lafferty's really good, like north south can fly. So maybe one of their two skating uh, abilities, because those guys can both scoot.
2: All right, right before we let you go, who's at the top of your Spotify wrapped this year?
0: oh I had a crazy
1: one I think it was like I had like Morgan Wallen and like Drake and uh maybe like Noah Khan and then um like maybe like Lil Durk or like something like that I I have I kind of I'm all over the place with music I uh I like kind of everything. Uh, you know. I, I like to listen to a lot of different stuff, but those guys, I think those was a couple of rappers and a couple of country guys.
2: Beautiful. Yeah, versatile. That's like me. I had Taylor Swift at the top of mine, and then DMX was third on mine, so I got a <laughs> lot of flack for that. But yeah, versatile. Versatile guys. Uh, Aiden, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, Aiden. Aiden McDonough, uh, forward with
2: the Abbotsford Connects, friend of the show. Man, I, I, I want, I, I'm sure he's not keeping track, but... I got to try to figure out how many times he's been on the show because his his good friend Jack Rathbone h- held the record for most appearances on Canucks Convo by a non-media member, of course. Uh, Rathbone has been on the show like six times. Really? Six times. Dude, Jack, you, you text Jack Rathbone and you say, hey, man, like, you want to come on the show? Yep, I'm game. Abs- always game. Jack Rathbone came on, I think, twice during the pandemic, during COVID. And hey, speaking of Jack Rathbone, good guy, everybody knows that. When we held that Warzone game to raise money for uh, – uh, oh, man, Dave Nordham, a Canucks fan dealing with cancer. We raised money for him for his GoFundMe. Jack Rathbone, not only he donated $100 and the buy-in was $5 for that game. Everybody has to donate $5. Jack Rathbone donated $100. I don't even think he played in the tournament. I think he paid for four of his friends from Boston to play in the tournament. And we just had these these four Boston guys in the tournament because Jack Rathbone paid for them to play because I think he wanted to, but he wasn't able to. And then Godette was in it. And anyways, um guys out
3: there uh that was so much fun you might have to bring that back i think Dude, my, my buddy chris nickel shout out bc conquer yeah. Yeah. won the thing so it was yeah, that was a lot of fun it was so hard great cause too
2: yeah it was so hard to put together i was putting together like i still lived with my mom at the time like i was in my i was in my bedroom like my childhood bedroom playing on my 32 inch tv <laughs> like i was organizing all of this and everybody in the house was under instructions not to use the internet because this game couldn't oh, crash yeah. and I was wired up and oh man that was a stressful com- time. The
3: comms chat, I don't know there was like a gym betting joke in there and everyone went ballistic. I, it was like I, the funniest thing.
2: I actually had it muted because okay. I was Fair. in a private party and I think we may have no we live streamed our game. So cuz we had uh who's our teammate? We had Ryan Beach as our oh, teammate at the time. It was the me, ringer. Faber and Ryan Beach was our, no, our team. No why? No, it was a uh, we did trios. It was trios oh, okay. I Okay, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, again, thanks to Aiden McDonough for joining us. You ready, boys? It is time. It's the moment we've all been waiting for. We are going to break down the win-loss record on the trade market of Patrick Alvine, and we should say of Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine, because Frank Serval, was on the show last week, told us the story of how the Philip Haronic trade went down, and obviously we know that Jim Rutherford was kind of at the forefront of that trade. He still gets final call. In this, uh, Grady's asking if we have a sponsor for this. Let's take a quick look. I don't think we do, Grady. I think we're actually good. Uh, we're going to get to Betway later. Actually, excuse me. No, we'll get to four wins after. Let's go to, let's just get this done. Let's go to our win-loss record of the Alvine trades. I, who came up with this idea? Was it Grady? Grady, did you come up with this idea?
3: See, Yes, it was me.
2: it's a fantastic idea. And Harmon and I were talking before. Later in the year, maybe, the summer, we can do the same with the Benning regime, Right. We can do their free agent signings, both regimes Ooh. free agent signings, and compare the win-loss records. Lots record. of Ls there. Yeah. But anyways, let's get to it. Let's get to each trade that the Vancouver Canucks have made under Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine and see where we line up in terms of a win-loss tie, toss-up record. Um, okay, let's go. We're going to start with the first trade they ever made. Travis Hamanick to the Ottawa Senators for a third-round pick. W's all around. Yep. Don't need to discuss it. Easy. Okay next one
0: tyler mott for a fourth i have this as a w uh just a toss up fourth was toss up i mean it's fine you you trade a pending ufa for a draft pick but i don't think a fourth round pick for mott was anything crazy but it was the most they could get sure but anybody could make that trade
2: you or i could uh, make, the, uh, make that uh sorry we went through 8 years of jim benning are you not are you not at least entertaining the Dude, idea even they even are you not at least entertaining the idea that Jimmy sees that and says, well, we don't want to trade him for a fourth. We might try to re-sign this guy at the 11th right. hour and okay, keep but,
0: him. But, okay, you're comparing, like, the lowest possible bar. You the one in the city. everything. You can't, grade. you can't grade it on the bending curve, is <laughs> yeah. what you saying. Come on. on.
2: Sure. The bending curve. I like that. There was
3: talk that they were going to re-sign him to, like, you know a right way up, yeah. too high AAV yep. so I'm I'm giving them a win there
2: yeah I'm going with the W for having the hey they could have they
3: could have just kept him and he would have walked yep. for nothing right well I, I like, signed
0: him yeah. for me
3: and he struggled to sign the next few years yep. right like you know he thought he was gonna get more than he would and I know the hard this the um flat cap played a role in that but you don't want to be overpaying for guys like Tyler Mott yeah, And I think, and I'm flashing back, I think at the time, like, you know, he was playing really good hockey before he uh, eventually was traded. And I think a lot of people got wrapped up in, in what he did in the bubble, which was great. But you got to remember what he was in that point, And that was a fourth liner.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would have been a W if it was a third. And for me, I should also sort of clarify when we're saying like a tie or toss up, if something's a slight win, I'm, I'm not going to just give the dub. What?
1: You if just it's said small- it's
0: a win, but it, okay. When that trade happened, nobody—how many people were saying, "Oh, that's a—that's that, a great win for the Canucks." It was like, okay, I'm glad they at least traded the player for what they could uh, for what they could get. Yeah. But a fourth round pick at the time was fine. It wasn't, you know, mind blowing. Okay. okay, we can't spend too much time on Mott for a Lower, fourth. <laughs> lowercase
3: W win.
2: Sure. Fine. Still fine. W. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dickinson and a second. Whoa. For what? Travis Dermott trade. Oh. What?
0: Oh yeah, the third for Oh Dermot. Did I
2: miss that? Yes. Third for Dermot. Uh I put it as a toss-up. Me too. I had it
3: as a toss up as well.
2: I think it was a fine trade at the time. You're taking a chance on a guy you think you play in the top four. Just
1: Obviously, Travis Dermott has, has had, had a lot of her. yeah, um, and know, that underlying
3: metrics too. Like he profiled really yep. well in Toronto. I remember the defensive first guy that could play both sides. So it just didn't work out and concussions and and all that happened as well. So
2: Okay, sorry I missed that one. Anyways, Dickinson for or Dickinson and a second-round pick for Riley Stillman. I put this as a toss-up. L. L.
3: I went back and forth on this because they were cleaning up the previous regime's mess at this point and that Dickinson contract was pretty tough to move. Now the fact that they had to add a second for it and Riley Stillman coming w- back. Yeah, and he didn't turn out to be anything. So I have it in the L column, but I can be persuaded probably to. Well, part
0: part of it is also Dickinson was reportedly playing through an injury in that year Mm -hmm. in in his first season as a Canuck. I would have preferred that they just sort of waited out and give him a shot. Sure. Uh, And I I just don't think the team is good enough to justify giving up a second for 2.65. Yep. Of uh, of cap relief and Dickinson has since bounced back and absolutely and been the player and that you wonder really what he would look like playing under Rick Tockett yeah. too yeah and so it's not like I'm not uh, I'm not saying it's a huge loss or any yep, means for but sure. like it's you know. I think
2: it's somewhere in the middle of toss up and L and I think you lean more toward L even though I have it as a toss up okay my first L here D Pietro and Myrenberg for Jack Studnica I put this as an L
3: yes yeah I'm an L too. Okay.
2: And my reasoning for it was that when the trade was made, the justification was, well, Meierenberg's at least five years away. And then I'm like, okay, well, Boston's at the top of the standing, so why are they making that trade then? And it's because good teams, as I think the Canucks have learned, good teams continue to replenish their prospect cupboards. And I, I, I wonder if the regime itself regrets that based on what we've seen them do since I think that's someone you'd like to have in your organization, John Jonathan Myrenberg, because he's you know like he's a B C level prospect, but he had there's, there's legitimate signs or there were at the time that maybe you could develop this guy into something and he could be a late round pick for you that hits.
0: Yeah, I looked it up. He's playing in the SHL as a full time player, seven points in 22 games, averaging 17 minutes a night. It's not easy at 20 years old earning the trust to be a full time SHL defenseman, six foot two right shot defenseman. Again, he's a BC prospect. It's nothing that you're worried about, but he, uh, another right-shot def- defense prospect. Yeah, probably rather have that than Stadnika right? And now. this isn't revisionist history
2: or anything. Like, he won't say it now, but Chris criticized the team at the time um when they made that trade because he liked Myrenberg as a prospect and he said there's no reason to take this bullet um out of the chamber down the road. Uh Ethan Bear and Lane Peterson for a 2023 fifth rounder. W's yep. all around. Yep.
3: Big dub. The Horvat no, trade. Not big dub, but it was a win.
2: Our first one here. The Horvat trade. The Bo Horvat. I, I wonder where we all. I have it as a W. I have it as, as a W. W. Okay. I thought there would be more drama with that. Uh okay. Do you want to talk about that
0: one at all? Like we all agree it's a W. Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought you get um essentially that pick ended up being 17th, and obviously subsequent heroic trade, it, it's gone, but 17th overall pick in a stacked draft class, uh, plus Ratu, who's, I think he's, yeah, last I checked, 13 points in 15 games. Starting to AHL play in the center. top six for Abbotsford. Yeah, and he's a center prospect. That's, even though you have to take Beauvillia's contract back, I think that's a pretty decent haul for a rental, uh, even though after the fact, obviously, Isles extended, Bill. Uh, Will Lockwood and a seventh-round pick for Vitali
2: Kratsov. I have it as a W given the context of everything that happened before that when it was rumored that New York was looking for a third oh, round come pick. Come on. They Quads. It out.
0: It's a toss up.
3: Toss up.
2: Toss come up. On. Fine, you fine, fine, find, fine.
0: Okay. Fine. Where's okay. off right now? Sure. He's sure. Not with the team. Sure. I you thought it was a fine bet. Sure. It's a toss but up. But you can't yeah. give them a win
3: okay. for. They have his rights still. And Lockwood, you know, he wasn't fitting here, but he showed some bottom six snarl. Sure. I'm just not sure if it was ever gonna. Work I out. I
2: I I will agree with you guys, but I'm not changing mine. I'm keeping it for the sake of the exercise. I'm keeping it as a W in my final wow. record. I but, would
0: want you as my teacher.
2: Hell, <laughs> I could I could get an A for anything. <laughs> well, I I you you guys are probably right. It's closer to being uh a toss up than a W. But anyways, I'm not changing. I'm staying with. Well, I got to keep it for the exercise. We're not changing. You can't change because then we're all gonna end up with the yeah, same yeah. thing. Anyways. Uh, Riley Stillman for Josh Bloom. W's all around. I yep. think everybody was yep. shocked when that trade was made. Yeah. Okay. Luke Shen for a third. Also a W. Yep. Yep.
0: First and a second for Philip Ronick. A W. Because this is going to be my hot take. Yeah, here we go. This is going to be... And I don't expect most people to be in my camp. I'm going to say that... it's it, So it's trending towards a win. But to me, it's a little bit too early to definitively declare it a W. And the reason is because... I'm a little bit worried about Heronik's next contract. If he ends up, if he ends up at this pace and ends up, let's say uh, earning a seven and a half to $8 million cap it on his next contract, because he's at a point where third in the defense, third in the league in points and all the huge minutes he's logging. Um, Concern I have is in Vancouver, we've only ever seen him next to Quinn Hughes, who isn't just the best defenseman in the league right now. He's the best player, period, in the NHL. Uh, And so, man, that type of contract would be a little bit worrying for me. Look, at this point, we know Heronik's a good player, but if he's, let's say, hypothetically a true talent, let's say $6 million defenseman, Mm -hmm. but you're paying him a premium for that, then, I mean, we'll see. The, the point I'm trying to make is it's trending towards a win, but I, I think time still needs to, to play out and seeing his next contract and seeing if he can drive his own pair. Um, that's that's my thought process.
2: I, I think it's a win because, similar to what you said about how you need to see what he looks like away from Quinn Hughes, and that's the question we get in almost every Anyone Else segment, is how do you quantify what Philip Peronic's doing, but he's playing with Quinn Hughes? Like, how do you quantify that and I think the simple answer is you really can't until Ethan Bear or whoever else comes that those two are split up. It's really hard to quantify what Philip Peronik looks like by himself. He looks fine as a power play two quarterback, right? Like he looks fine doing that. But do you want to pay a power play two quarterback eight point five million? No, you want to pay a guy who is successfully driving a top four pairing that kind of money, and you know he's also going to be capable to step into the role that Quinn Hughes steps out of if he goes down with an injury. Like, that's who you want to pay. You want to pay your stars, as Corey Anderson said in the
3: chat. Well, yeah, too. Like, I hear what you're saying, Harm, but the fact that they now have to pay him a premium is a good thing because it shows he's actually performing exceeding expectations. I totally agree about, like, you know, Hughes potentially carrying him. But let's not forget, like, adding right shot, you know, two-way defenseman is probably the hardest premium to find in the league at the time. Sure. It was a hefty price, but like you can't argue with the performance this year. He's, you know, done, I think better than pretty much anyone's expected. And the fact that you have to pay him at some point, like that, that to me tells me, okay, well the trade was actually good here and you want to be able to pay your stars when they, when they deliver. But I do hear you. I think in an ideal world down the line, you would have Heronic anchoring his own pair at some point and the option to load up Hughes and Hironic depending on the game situation because that way you have basically Hughes or Heronic coming over the boards almost every other shift, right? So it's, uh, a, it's
0: a win.
2: Virtual reality channel, further to Grady's point, if you absolutely have to overpay, overpay on right-handed defensemen.
0: Fine, that's fine. But when, your other, when most of your other players are also making you know, market value... Uh, when you look at Pedersen and a lot of the other contracts on the books, it shortens your window for actually contending for a cup because you can't, you, it's impossible to win a Stanley Cup if most of your core players are paid market value. Look at how yep. much harder it is for Colorado to flesh out the depth of their roster yeah. now that Nathan McKinnon makes 12 point, whatever it is, rather than 6.3 in the cup winning year. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's a great
3: point. That's fair. But the counter to that is, well, the cap is going up here, but that is going to raise everyone's salary, right? So, yeah, like we also have well, the to point, buyout. Yeah, yeah that, that cap that's, that's got to be factored. In, so. yeah.
2: and to Harmon's point, heronic and Elias Peterson's contracts are both going to be signed with the cap having already gone up, so they're going to get full value. It's not one of these situations where you're signing and then the cap goes up. And maybe down the down the road, but Harmon has a very very valid point uh, yeah. when it comes to that. Okay, let's move on here. Um, Lazar for a fourth. W, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Pearson and a third
3: for Casey to Smith. Well, you skipped over why Wyatt Calnuk right. for future considerations to the Rangers, yeah, man. That's come okay. on. How
1: do you not remember? Sorry,
3: guy. I, I knew that
2: trade happened. Are we do you guys want to it's talk wash. about that? No. it's a wash. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, yeah, I didn't even include it in the in my overall record. Uh, okay, Pearson and a third for Casey DeSmith. Smith. Harmon, you start Swin. Yeah, it's a win. Yeah, it's a win. Okay. Thought that'd be more fun. Uh, fifth for Sam Lafferty. W? W. Easy. W. Uh, Jack Rathbone, Carol Plastic for Mark Friedman and Ty Glover. W? W.
0: Dub.
2: And finally, Anthony Beauvillier for a fifth round pick. A W. W. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my overall record. Do you guys have yours tallied up? I, I tallied up. Didn't. I do, but I think
3: I screwed the math up.
2: Go tally it up. Both of you tally it up. I'll kill us some time. Okay. okay. My overall record. 13 1 and 1
0: Yeah, you for... also gave them credit
2: for... yep. maybe <laughs> maybe it should be 13 1 and 2 they have had 1 L and the 1 L that they had that we all agreed on I would just like to point out was pretty insignificant it was Mike DiPietro and Jonathan Myrenberg for Jack Nika. that's I the mean, only L we all agreed on the only one
0: yeah but Grady and I agreed on the Dickinson 1 being an L too sure Sure. Also a rather insignificant trade. I have 11, 2, and
3: 5 for myself, but I'm not sure. Once once Quad set his record there, and then I, re- I remembered that he was forgetting trades, I- I'm just thrown for a loop <laughs> right here. Someone's going to have to go back and fact-check for me. There's I no way you said. had five toss-ups. You didn't. Like, I know that for sure.
2: Your record is much closer to mine, Grady. <laughs> I have
3: two L's, so yep. we can work
0: backwards. Yeah, you
2: had, you had the Dickinson as an L, and DiPietro. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, I don't know if I did the math right on this, but I believe Come I am not have... math guy. First time he's ever said that. <laughs> uh, ten wins, two losses, and five toss-ups.
2: Five toss- What are your toss-ups? Go through. Tell me your toss up Uh, Calunuk for future considerations. T- you toss-up. Are you going to give them a win for that? No, you don't have to give... We didn't even count it. Take it
0: off. It doesn't count. Okay, fine. <laughs> but it's a trade. You said every trade. Okay, fine. You're going to toss-up? <laughs> what do you want me to give them I a guess w it's a toss-up sure I guess
2: it's a oh, toss-up have wow, future considerations man <laughs> that's so insignificant. a huge win but you said every trade okay fine you were the one yesterday that said you're every right, trade you're right
0: you're right um so that's I had that as a toss-up I had um the third for Dermot as a toss-up mm. um I had Mott for the fourth
2: Oh yeah, I guess my record would be 13, one and two because I also had Dermot as a toss-up.
0: I just forgot to write it down. Um I had Lockwood and uh, a seventh for Kraftsov. <laughs> that is a W. <laughs> exactly. Like, how is that a W? It was at the time when the trade was made. Like, yeah, that the was universally us, I like praised. It. But you can't, yeah. But you can't give them a W. People let, for let, let's yep. be clear here. There is some trades here that like the story is still sure. being written. Yep. Uh and then the heroic one, it's trending towards a W, but for me, just to see how the contract plays out. Oh god, it's okay. you're right. Yeah, you had your reasons. I
2: won't, I won't uh disparage you too you much. You have to look
0: beyond this season. That's that's my only point. And again, I know it's a hot take. I don't expect most people to agree with me, but mm-hmm. in as much as I hate to talk about contracts and cap and fitting fitting everything under um so that you're actually a contender, like mm-hmm. those things, they matter. They do matter. You're right. Cody Severson
2: in the chat calling Stillman for Bloom an L. How is that an L, Cody? That's a He's W. We all had that. You moved w. off what
3: 1.5 million in cap. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, a win alone. Yeah, the fact they didn't have to give anything up to get rid of Riley Stillman. Good point, though, by Cody in the Hamonic trade. The third they got back was to draft DPD Elias Patterson. Yep, exactly. Okay, uh, I think we're
2: all good here. I think we figured it out. Great great job, boys. That segment was great. We're going to do it again with the Benning regime at some point. We'll do it at some point. Maybe the bye week that the Canucks have. I think January they have their bye week. So not that far away. We'll do the Benning regime. Save your records, boys. Remember to save them. We'll compare them uh, with the Benning regime. And then we'll do free agent signings somewhere down the line. But for now, it's time for our Light the Lamp contest brought to you by our friends over at Four Winds Brewing.
3: Where is it here? There it is.
2: Vancouver is playing Vegas tonight, and we want to know who's going to score the first goal for Vancouver. If you nail it, you could win a $25 gift card to the Four Winds Room located at 72nd and River Road in Delta. Enter by following us on social media. Keep an eye out for today's show clip and comment who you think will light the lamp and score the first goal tonight. Winners will be contacted directly. Check us out at Canucks Army or at Canucks Convo on Twitter, at CanucksArmy.com on Instagram and Canucks Army on Facebook. And make sure you ask about Four Winds Light Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered to your front door through the online shop at Four fourwindsbrewing.ca. Predictions tonight, Harmon. Who scores the first goal? I'm not
0: very good at these predictions. Nils Hoglander. I'll go Quinn Hughes. Big game. Battle for uh, the top of the Pacific. Quinn's going to step up. Grady.
3: Mm, Hoglander. Nice.
2: I like it. Okay. Uh, go check out our friends over at 4WinsBrewing. Brewing. All right. Right before we close out, time for the Betway bet of the day brought to you by our friends over at Betway. Keeping it simple tonight, folks. Keeping it simple. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Quinn Hughes going back to the well. Over two and a half total shots on goal tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. Minus one thirty-eight odds means a ten dollars bet will return you seventeen twenty-seven over on Betway. Must be nineteen plus play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Grady, you pointed out on Twitter today that. The Canucks are the favorite in this game. And if I read your tweet correctly, this is the first time in the history of the Vegas Golden Knights that the Canucks are the favorite to beat them.
3: Vegas is 7-0-2 in their existence at Rogers Arena, which means the Canucks have never actually won in regulation on home ice against Vegas. And yes, they are the favorite for the first time tonight in this matchup on home ice. Interesting. Yeah. We'll see if they get it done, and we'll be back to talk about it tomorrow. You want to close out the show? Your
2: call. No. Okay. For my co host, Harmon Dial, my name is David Guadrelli and our technical producer, Chris As, I should have said. Our thanks again to Aiden McDonough for joining us on today's episode. Now I can say it. My name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher
1: app.